If you got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Years, no, I can't say that. It'll give away my age. A while back, I got to go to, to the Baeza Ranch just north of Chihuahua City, Mexico. One of the greatest uh, experiences of my entire life. We drove down there. Uh, is there anything more cowboy than like three cowboys piled in an LTD car <laughs> driving like this with all your tack in the back? That, that's, that's what we did. We drove from uh, Fort Stockton, Texas all the way down there to the Baeza Ranch just north of Chihuahua City, Mexico. And it was like stepping into another, uh, another universe. Um, you know, they still hauled horses around in bobtail pickups and stuff like that. They didn't have, you know, not everybody had the uh, living quartered horse trailers, um, you know, or even cage tops or anything like that. We walked in there, there was no electricity. Everything ran on, on batteries. It's like dome lights everywhere. God walk over there and hit a dome light switch and these little lights would come on. I mean, you could barely see in there lots of kerosene lanterns and we sat at this big table and, um, you know, uh, I, I don't like to say this a lot, but, you know, from my experiences on the San Pedro, you know, I, I, can, pre I can speak pretty good Spanish. I can cuss you out better than I can tell you about the weather. But anyway, um, I wouldn't do that. That's a joke. Coy, cover Coy's ears. Um, anyway, we went down there, and our sole purpose was to cross a bunch of horses from Mexico into Texas and sell them. And they had people from all over Chihuahua bring these horses in. We rode over 120 horses in two days. Team roping on them, dragging calves on them. I mean, we were looking for roping prospects. We were looking for uh, ranch horse prospects and everything. And one thing about it, man, all those horses were broke, and they were broke well. And um, I'll never forget whenever we got down there, Ralph, he told me, he said, Look, I know you can understand it, but you're just going to make a fool of yourself if you open up your mouth. I was like, well, thanks for the vote of confidence there, Ralph. And so even though I understood a lot of the conversation, you know, uh, Ralph would play along and he would translate for me. And people came from all over to see the rich Americanos that had come to buy these horses. And, and this, was a, this was a long time before I met the love of my life. And along, you know, long before Riley and Griffin were even Twinkies, you know, in the, uh, a twinkle in, in the toilet. You know what I mean? They just, uh, it, it's a lot, I just want to make that clear, okay? Isn't that how that goes? What you? Anyway. <laughs> I told you you'd be wounded. <laughs> I wounded Joe and Jim last night with my explanation of coconut. Get with me afterwards, and I'll explain that. <laughs> um, but anyway, we got down there, and I mean, I started getting all my stuff out, and man, they were treating us like royalty, and I felt pretty special, man. And uh, I look over, and, and, and I just want you to picture the most, you know, something that you'd see on a black velvet painting from Spain. These two young ladies over there looked like Spanish royalty. I mean, they were absolutely beautiful. And it was like a, a gravity just kind of kept. Pay attention, Kevin. I am. 
and everything. And Ralph, he rides up to me and he goes, hey, this ain't America, boy. He said, them two girls over there, if you look at them wrong, he said, we're going to find you underneath a mesquite tree back here. You keep your eyes to yourself. Yes, sir. <laughs> I never looked at them girls again. Come to find out, that was a load of crud. And I could have gone and talked to them, but I didn't. Anyway, I stayed on track. But anyway, what I want to tell you about that trip was not the fact that I was getting undressed and the, and the senora of the house walked in and screamed and ran out the door and they made fun of me for seeing me in my tidy whities and that was, that was uh, very uh, disturbing. But there was the first horse that I rode down there was an agruya horse. He was kind of big-headed and kind of short and kind of long-haired. I mean, just wasn't something that somebody's going to walk up and go, Wow, that's a good-looking horse. That wasn't it. But from the moment, and I don't know why they, you know, they said, go in there and pick you out a horse. Oh, Hanos, he was just standing over there in the corner, and I was like, I don't want to get bucked off to begin with, so I'll take that one. So I rode him, and I mean, it was just fantastic. I mean, he handled well, and come to find out that a 75-year-old man had owned this horse, and that man, that Hanos had never been in a trailer or anything, he rode that horse everywhere he went. So this horse was just broke as broke could be. And we ended up, you know, between the three of us, and, and some other guys were riding also from the ranches showing off these horses. Some of them wanted to ride their own horses. And uh, Anyway, Hanos was the first horse that I rode, and afterwards I wasn't buying anything. I couldn't have afforded a Dr. Pepper down there at this point in my life, but, I, you know, I got to go down there and help out. And Ralph walked up to me and he said, Hey, if you could pick one horse out of all these hundreds of horses, which one would it be? And they had already picked. They were, we were going to cross 15. They had picked 14 out, and he said, I want you to pick one of them. And I said, that grew you standing right over there. He said, that's the ugliest horse in the bunch. I said, yeah, but I tell you what, he's an awesome horse. He said, well, then you tell me why we should cross that ugly flea-bitten-looking thing. And I said, well... I don't feel like I'm really choosing him. I looked up, Hanos was looking right at me. I said, I feel like he's choosing me. He said, all right. He said, keep going, not good enough. And I said, well, whenever I rode him, he made me look better than I was. It seemed like he knew what I was doing. I was never worried about him pitching or anything like that. He just did what he was supposed to do. He made me look better not the other way around. And he goes, all right, I'm getting close. Give me one more reason. And I said, he's ugly. And he said, what do you mean by that? He said, you know a lot of people, you bring a Palomina out that'll do everything that horse does and we can get $3,000 more for it. I said, it don't matter. I said, look past his appearance. Look at that horse's heart. Quit looking at his color or confirmation. And he goes, load that gruya up. And I was kind of beaming, and then he went over there and he goes, I'd already picked that horse, I was just going to see how smart you were. <laughs> I guess I passed the test. Today, I tell you about recognizing Hanos. Out of about as many horses as there are people here, I picked out one horse that I felt comfortable with that I felt like knew me better than anything. I was able to recognize some qualities in him. Today we're going to talk about faith, a cowboy's faith. 
And we're going to talk about how to learn how to recognize your faith. And I've got a question for you. How many people have you, you know, said something or, or something like that, and they say, well, you just got to have faith. Well, that's all good and well, isn't it? But it's kind of like whenever you send your daughter out there and says, bring me a three-quarter inch deep socket metric four millimeter out of the toolbox. And she comes back with a toilet plunger. Can you recognize your faith? If somebody says you need to have faith, do you know what to look for? Because faith is something that we use. It's not just something we have. Faith in the Bible is, de is defined as believing in something unseen. Well, you know, we can have faith, but faith is also something that is tangible. It's something that we can use. If I told you that you needed to go out there and saddle up your faith and ride on, and you walk down to the pen in your mind, would you be able to recognize what faith is? A lot of people would say, you know, well, I'm not going to ride in faith. I'm just going to walk in faith. Because they can't, they can't go out there and pick out something that they can actually use, something that's going to help them. Today, we're going to talk about how to recognize your faith and how to grab onto it and actually use your faith. We, the first thing that we must do is, and I'm not saying that, that we drop the first part and only have the second part, but we've got to go from believing to knowing. You know, you've got to go from believing that God loves you to absolutely knowing that God loves you. We've got to go from believing that he's going to take care of us to absolutely knowing that he's going to take care of us. We have to go from believing that his son was sent down here to die on the cross so that we could gain eternal life to knowing that we will share in that ride way up in the sky, green grass, pastures, this deep, no snow, or the mud that follows the snow and sticks my truck. Recognizing your faith. We must go from believing to knowing. Today we're going to talk about three statements of faith that you will believe, but in order to recognize them as your own, you must go from believing to knowing the very first statement of faith, that, and I don't really know how else to say that, but the very first statement that we need to talk about is this right here. No longer will I ride with shame or doubt because I know God chose me to ride with him. Think about that for a second. No longer am I going to ride with shame or doubt because I know God chose me, chose you to ride with him. Romans 8, 1 and 2 in a simplified cowboy version, says this, There ain't no more shame or guilt for those who ride with the Lord. We've been busted out and set free from the law of sin and death. Let me read that one more time. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There ain't no more shame or guilt for those who ride with the Lord. No longer do you have to be, feel ashamed or guilty of, of the things that you've done in your life. We've been busted out of that prison of shame and guilt and doubt, and we've been set free from the law of sin and death. I don't want you to raise your hands because if you didn't, you'd be lying. And this is the last place that we want to be called liars. But have you ever felt defeated? Do you feel shame because of that thing that you do or did that only you know about? 
You know that one thing that always nags at you, that makes you kind of not want to walk upright, and you just, God, man, why did I do that? How come I act like that? Do you feel defeated? God asks you to leave those things behind when you ride for him. I guess I need to quit stepping on the cord. Does your ride with God look more like you ride through the mountains or on a carousel? When people say, well, I saddled up with faith, is it more like on that little carousel that just goes round and round and you really don't get anywhere? Or can you saddle up with your faith and stand tall in the shadow without any shame, stand, sit tall in the saddle without any shame or doubt or guilt? God wants you to take your place, to take you places that you've never been. God wants you to experience the wonder and majesty of his creation, not the pain and suffering of sin. No longer will I ride with shame or doubt because I know that God chose me to ride with him. He chose you. He made you. You are not here because, you know, dinosaur walked over there and licked on a tree sap and the chemical composition suddenly made Brooke. Well, that, that may be pushing it. That might have happened with Brooke. Not really, buddy. God chose you. He made you. He's calling you today. That's why you're here, whether you know it or not, whether it's the first time or the you know, 40th time. Maybe you've been here every time, but God has chose you to ride with you, to ride with him. He wants to ride with you. God chose you to ride with him, but the choice is yours. Today, go from believing that to knowing it. No longer will I ride with shame or doubt because I know that God chose me to ride with him. Memorize that. Say it to yourself. And I'm not talking about no name it and claim it or anything like that. But you know, it's, we've got to come to a point where we not only, I don't want to say stop believing, we're going to continue to believe, but that belief goes from belief to knowing. The second thing we're going to talk about is no longer will I be blindfolded by fear and worry that keeps me from seeing God. I came to a realization about a year and a half ago. Christy said, what's wrong? And I said, I think I finally put my finger on it. She goes, what? And I said, I'm scared. She said, scared of what? And I said, of everything. I'm scared of not being able to provide for you and the kids. I'm afraid that I'm not going to do good for God. I'm a, and I mean, I just went on and I listed all of these things that every single one of us go through. But if Jesus Christ had one thing that he just emphasized over and over and over and over and over, he said, do not be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust the Lord completely instead of relying on what you think. Trust the Lord completely instead of relying on what you think. With every step you take, consider what he wants, and he will not let you go astray. No longer will I be blindfolded by the fear and worry that keeps me from seeing God. It's like a veil that's been put on us. A lot of people say, I can't see God anywhere in my life. I believe in him, but I just can't see him. Well, the, one of the main reasons that people have a hard time seeing God is that fear and worry have put blinders on. How do we break free of that. Fear is believing a lie instead of trusting God. The thing that Jesus told people over and over and over was do not be afraid. 
Worry does not allow you, does not allow your ride to go with God to go untracked. In other words, people saddle up with God and they go, I'm riding for God. And they never move from that position right there because they're scared of what will happen. God says, jerk everything off of there and you just saddle up with me and you give me the reins and I'm going to take you places that you've never been before. I'm going to let you have experiences that you've never experienced before. I'm going to show you joy, wonder, love, happiness, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we talked about last week. Worry does not allow your ride with God to get untracked. There will be people in heaven that rode for God and never moved from that spot where you're at. You feel like you're going nowhere? Maybe it's that fear and worry that's covered your eyes. It won't allow your walk with God to get untracked. You will not be able to see the wondrous things God has in store for you unless you leave your fear and worry behind. Today, go from believing to knowing that no longer will I be blindfolded by the fear and worry that keeps me from seeing God. The third thing that we're going to talk about is probably the biggest. Insecurity. Insecurity. Some of the people that I know that, that claim, oh, I don't have any insecurity, they've got the biggest insecurities because they go around talking about how, how they're not insecure. Just boastful, walk around, chest bowed out and everything, that's the biggest form of insecurity I've ever seen. The third thing is, no longer will I be insecure about who I am because I see myself the way God sees me. No longer will I be insecure about who I am because I see myself the way God sees me. Psalm 139.14 says, I thank you for the fantastic way you made me. Everything you do is marvelous, and that includes the way that you stitched me together. Of this, there ain't no question. Let me read that one more time. I thank you for the fantastic way you made me. Everything you do is marvelous, and that includes the way you stitched me together. Of this, there ain't no question. Self-confidence. <laughs> Listen to this. Self-confidence is the measure by, which how, by how much you believe that God loves you. So if you are insecure, all you are saying is, I must be less and God doesn't love me. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Self-confidence is the measure of how much we believe that God loves us. Don't let the world's lies become your truths. People worry in today's society about their weight. I worry about my complexion. I'm 19 years old and I still have pimples and stuff like that. That bugs me, guys. I'll be honest with you. It bugs me bad. But you know what? God made me. And I'm going to put my confidence in the fact that he has called me to ride with him he made me, and he loves me so much that he sent his son to die for me. Are you worried about your weight, complexion, hair color, length? Maybe it's the sound of your own voice, your nose, your height. What is it about you that you do not like? Remember, God loves you. I worry about my weight all the time. 
I'm a little old skinny kid. Kid, yeah. But you know what? I, 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 I kind of quit worrying about that, man. I am who I am. I find my identity in who God thinks I am, not what other people think about me. I thank you for the fantastic way you made me. Everything you do is marvelous, and that includes the way you stitched me together. Of this, there is no question. You were created by God, and God don't make crud. Today, go from believing to knowing that no longer will I be insecure about who I am because I see myself the way that God does. Remember Hanos? We ended up buying that horse. And he was on our ranch when he passed away. Oh, Hanos, the one that made me look so good that I had no fear or worry in or anything like that. My little sisters rode Hanos. They were, they were, Hanos was their first horse. My two kids learned to ride on Hanos. But remember that first reason that I chose Hanos? I felt like he chose me, Ralph. We've got to go from believing to knowing that no longer will I ride with shame or doubt because I know God chose me to ride with him. You didn't choose him. He chose you. The second reason that we brought Hanos over here was I wasn't worried when I rode him. He made me better than I could be. He made up for my mistakes and he made me better. I didn't make him better. We've got to go from believing to knowing that no longer will I be blindfolded by the fear and worry that keeps me from seeing God. And the third reason, he was ugly, but I wasn't looking at his color or confirmation. I looked at his heart, and it was huge. We've got to go from believing to knowing that no longer will I be insecure about who I am because I see myself the way God does. I want y'all to be able to find your own Hanos. I want you to be able to recognize your faith. If you walk out of the pen and you've got a job to do, everybody's got a job to do. God called us to that. But can you walk out there in the middle of all of your emotions and all your thoughts and all your beliefs and pick out your faith and saddle it up and ride. You can do that today. You can start today by just recognizing that no longer will I ride with shame or doubt because I know that God chose me to ride with him. No longer will I be blindfolded by fear and worry that keeps me from seeing God. And no longer will I be insecure about who I am because I see myself the way God does. It wasn't until this, till I prepared this sermon, that I looked on the internet to see what Hanos meant. It's a municipality in Chihuahua, Mexico, kind of like a county, but that wasn't good enough for me. I dug deeper. And Hanos, I did not know this, Hanos is Hebrew for gift from God.
and your faith is a gift from God. Can you recognize it? Can you go out there and pick your hanos? Pick your gift from God, because that's what faith is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the cowboys and cowgirls that are here today. Lord, help us all to do what you would have us do. Say what you would have us say. Go where you would have us go. And most importantly, be who you would have us be. Help us to be able to walk out into that pen of life and immediately recognize our faith. Not so that we can just leave it in a back pasture sometimes, feeding it a little bit on Sundays, but so that we can take it and we can use it. Not for our glory, but for yours. We pray all these things in your most precious name. Amen.